Yes, this is EM Case's Best Case Ever mini-podcast series, and I'm your host, Dr. Anton Hellman. For this Best Case Ever, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce Dr. Gary Joubert, a pediatric emergency physician who also has training in pediatric cardiology to give us his best case ever. Dr. Joubert, welcome to EM Cases, and let's hear your best case ever. Well, thank you, Anton, for that very generous introduction. And having a dual role in emergency medicine and cardiology over most of my career has been really quite a pleasure to see some unusual circumstances. And I'm going to reflect back on a case that occurred early in my career. It was a four-month-old female who presented to the emergency department, had been thriving. When they presented a triage, the mother's presenting complaint was, my baby looks blue in the lips at times. And of course, we've all heard that as an eMERGE physician. And of course, we started thinking of our broad differential associated with being blue. But when the vital signs were done, the SATs were actually 98%. The heart rate was in about the 140 range. Respiratory rate was a very nice 30 and not in any way using extra effort in terms of work of breathing. So the child was brought in and was introduced in the waiting room, waited for a couple of hours. Finally, a medical student went to see the child, which is always the case, and went on and brought back this beautiful history. And of course, you know, in that scholarly way we like to do as academic eMERGE physicians, we said, okay, well, give me your differential diagnosis. And, you know, they started off, well, you know, this could just be normal physiology, you know, sometimes when babies are feeding or something like that. There was really no correlation to feeding or anything else. But he said, could it be related to the fact that, you know, sometimes bail with a pale skin looks a little bit blue around the lips? I said, okay, did mom give you a history? Was it central cyanosis or was it just, you know, some perioral cyanosis or was peripheral? Oh, I didn't ask. Okay, well, we got to go check that out. We'll go back and do that. The baby, you know, ever have difficulty feeding or look diaphoretic during feeding? Oh, no, no, no. So his differential went on. And of course, you know, he started to talk about GERD because we know sometimes GERD can make babies look like that. He talked about the fact that, yeah, maybe this was congenital heart disease, but really didn't look at it. And maybe just the mother was imagining things because we always like to blame mothers. In fact, when he went back and had a discussion with the mother about what the family physician had said, and this is not to put our family physician colleagues down, but they thought first time mother a little bit hyper over-examining her child. Went and examined this child, and to be quite honest, the physical examination was extremely unremarkable. But just by chance during the physical examination with the child hooked to an oximeter, their SATs dropped to 88%. And of course, we looked immediately to ensure it wasn't a monitor fault, and no, it wasn't. And, they, and it lasted like that probably for, oh, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes. We administered some oxygen, and the oxygen seemed to make things a little bit better, and the SATs came up. Chest x-ray was done, and the heart, for the most part, looked to be of normal size. The aortic arch was on the left side. Pulmonary vasculature appeared to be reasonable, nothing really exciting, and no chamber enlargement that we could dictate. ECG, as it would have it, looked pretty normal for age. There was no evidence telltale signs. Because the child's SATs returned to 98 and sat there, we didn't do a hyperoxic test because it really didn't seem to work. But we were concerned about this history and had the child admitted to hospital. The child had three more desaturation spells associated with their stay, and one lasted for quite a long time. So they decided to move the child to the intensive care unit. And it just happened to be that I was on cardiology that week as well. So I got the opportunity to go back and examine the child on a second thing. Good bounding pulses, looked at the chest x-ray, and we said, hmm, 
really haven't got a good cause for this. So what do you guys think this could be? Four-month-old intermittent blue spells? Tet spell? Yeah. So this was a classic example of a semi-tet spell. The actual anatomy on cardiac echo demonstrated a child who had pulmonary atresia with a patent ductus arteriosus and a ASD. So what they were doing is they were shunting across the patent ductus. Because the child was older now, the duct was intermittently starting to close. And as the duct closed, the child got quite cyanosed because all the blood flow was coming across the tetralis, the VSD, and the ASD. So it was an unusual form of a tet spell, which, you know, we all read about classically, but it was dependent on that. And, you know, had that mother not brought that child in when she did, that child would actually have gone on to die at home when the duct closed because there would have been no blood flow other than the mixing at the atrial and ventricular level that would allow it to go. It would have no blood flow to the pulmonary circuit. All right. So from an emergency physician's perspective, was there anything in the initial assessment that you would have done differently or what were some of the pearls or pitfalls that our listeners can take home to not miss this unusual case. And it's unusual because it's a late presentation. And what I wanted to stress for this for our eMERGE colleagues is one is when you get these intermittent blue children that we all see around, you know, three, four months of age and we like to attribute to GERD or sometimes they get admitted with a query apneic spell or they weren't apneic but we don't know what else to do with them, think cardiac disease. That's number one. I think that was the thing that as an eMERGE physician I wasn't thinking about at the time and it's funny sometimes to go back in my dual role. It's kind of a schizophrenic moment in my life. But anyways, regardless of that, to see that. The second component is that when you have a child like this, this is a perfect opportunity to do a POCUS exam. And if you had done a POCUS, you would have seen a big VSD and you would have seen a really diminutive RV and you would have, if you know how to look for a pulmonary, and most people don't, but you might have not seen a pulmonary artery when you're scanning up trying to look at the aorta and pulmonary artery. You would not have seen a pulmonary valve. And if you'd done that at the bedside, and POCUS wasn't available in those days, you would have said, oh my God, this is truly a cardiac disease. So I want to stress two components here. One is don't, because they're out of that classic neonatal age range, say, hey, this can't be cardiac anymore because they turn blue, because they can. And uh, I have a couple of other ones like that that were blue that, you know, there's a condition called pulmonary atresia with pulmonary mapcas, which are lots of little aortic vessels that come off the aorta that supply pulmonary blood flow. And these kids tend to be blue all the time. But again, the mother said, oh, my baby looks blue. My baby looks blue. Came in, did a sat and was blue. And of course, that led to the diagnosis. But in this particular case, really imperative to think about Blue or cyanotic congenital heart disease can occur outside the normal spectrum of ages, we like to think, especially if they're duct-dependent, because that duct doesn't read textbooks. It doesn't always close on day three to five. Secondly, is that when you see a kid like this, and don't always just attribute it to an alternate cause. All right, great. So for more on picking up and managing congenital heart lesions in kids, stay tuned for our upcoming episode with Dr. Joubert and Dr. Ashley Strobel on congenital heart disease emergencies. Mm -hmm.